Hello again, my friends, and welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast. We are keeping up with the king as we make our way through the book of Matthew, and we are in chapter 8, and we are toward the end of the chapter. We are in verse 23, and I mentioned before that there was something that was said back in verse 18 that was going to be important later in the chapter, uh, especially when we get to like verse 26. So I want to read that first and then skip ahead. So following the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the healing of the people previously listed, the the, uh, leper, the uh, servant of the uh, centurion, and... Peter's mother-in-law, then followed by those who were demon-possessed and others who were sick that were brought to him. Uh, It says that, verse 18, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Well, to the other side of what? Well, they're they're up by the Sea of Galilee. And so then we get to verse 23, and he says this, Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us! We are perishing! But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, we can read this also in Mark chapter 4, and there's a, there's a few more details in Mark chapter 4 uh, that I, I think are important. Um, but, you know, the, again, this is the account um, that Matthew's giving, and it's there are some, there's slightly less, but that doesn't mean it's a contradiction. Of course, when you have multiple people telling the same story, you're going to have different perspectives, and you're going to have different things that uh, maybe there were multiple things said, and... A person remembers a certain thing that Johnny said and somebody else wants to talk about what Freddie said or whatever. So anyway, um, I think this is a fascinating story because, you know, they get into the boat, they cross, they're crossing over and a tempest arises and Jesus is asleep. Now, first of all, I love this because Jesus isn't freaking out. Everybody else is freaking out. But Jesus is freak, isn't freaking out. And this is one of those things that is great to remember. If you're one of those people that freaks out regularly or even occasionally, is that God's never freaking out. You know, God is never freaking out. And so there's this great rest, that great peace that we have as believers in him, where when the rest of the world is falling apart, when the rest of the world is freaking out, we can say, God's got this. My God has this under control. He has a reason. He has a plan. He has not forgotten about me. And I don't have to, I don't have to freak out about it. I can have peace. So anyway, it goes on. It says his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now in Mark, it says also that apparently they, when, as they're waking him up, one of them, or maybe multiple of them said, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? And I always found that to be a very interesting statement because this is so often the case. When things are not going the way we expect them to go or the way that we think they should go, and when God doesn't seem to be responding in the way that we think he should be responding, far too often what happens is we skip right over the God save me and we go right to the you don't care. 
And it's so tragic because there are so many people that I've met and it's people that I know that have turned away from the Lord because God didn't do things the way that they thought he should. And so their conclusion was that God doesn't care. Now, the tragic thing is a lot of times when you talk to these people, you find out the thing that they're mad at God for not doing is something that God never said he would do. I shared this story for about a year uh, on weekends uh, with Girl Scout groups that, that came to our camp. And, and I used to tell them, like, if you came to my camp, if you showed up on, on Friday and I saw you coming down the street and I said, hey, did you bring me Girl Scout cookies? And you go, no. And then I got mad at you. You would probably say, like, well, number one, it's not cookie season. Number two, we never said we were bringing cookies. Now, it would be totally different if I had seen them the week before and they said, we're coming back next week and we're bringing cookies. I said, are you sure? Yeah, we'll bring cookies. Now, I'm paying for these cookies. Oh, yeah, we'll bring them. And then the next week they show up and said, oh, no, we didn't bring them. Well, then I might be mad because they had not fulfilled what they had promised to do. And far too often what I find when I talk to people that have given up on following the Lord is they have believed things about him that just weren't true. That somebody told them something that, that wasn't accurate. You know, those things like, well, if you pray hard enough, God will do what you want. If you believe enough, then, then, you know, God will give you your miracle or whatever. And all these things that are, that are just not biblical and they're damaging. So keep that in mind um, because the disciples, right? They, they wake him up, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. So verse 26 says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? So Jesus rebukes them for being fearful and having little faith. Now, I love this because the first question is, why are you so fearful? Now, I think this is one of those times where someone asks the question, the teacher asks the question, and the answer is so obvious that you're afraid to answer. Where you you know, like, I know the answer is because we were about to die, but I don't feel like I can say that because that can't be the right answer. So it's really... Why were they so fearful? Where their boat was about to sink, they were in a storm. It seems rather obvious. But then he throws in the second part, oh, you of little faith. Now, this is interesting. I think it's an easy, an easy thing for you to take wrong. I think many people do take this one wrong because they think like, oh, well, if you, believe, if you have faith then nothing like this will ever happen to you, you'll never face difficult times. You would never... You would never die in a storm. All kinds of strange conclusions. But that's, um, I think that's a misunderstanding of what faith is. And so if we flip over to, say, Romans chapter 4. And in Romans chapter 4, there is this great uh, kind of definition of faith. When it's talking about Abraham. And it says that, Abraham, um, let me flip over here to it real quick. Um, 
it says this. He says, uh, he did not waver, this is verse 20 of Romans 4, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that's God, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so it seems that a way to define faith perhaps is the belief that what God has promised, he is able to perform. The belief that what God has promised, he's able to perform. You know, we're, we're saved by, by grace through faith. It's that we're saved by the grace, the free gift of God. By, but how do we receive that? It's through faith. It's believing that what God has promised, he's able to perform. And so when Jesus says, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. He's questioning their faith. Well, his, that would lead us to say, okay, well, if faith is believing that what God promised, he's able to perform, what did God promise? And that's why I was cluing us back into verse 18, where Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, and he gave a command to depart to the other side. See, Jesus didn't say, let's get in the boat and go halfway and die. Jesus didn't say, let's get in the boat and maybe we'll get there. No, he said, let's go get in the boat and we're going to depart to the other side. Now, I think this is something that's important to understand, that when people have these issues where they depart from the Lord, um, a lot of times you hear people say stuff like, well, I tried being a Christian and it didn't work. Or, you know, I tried, I tried the whole Jesus thing. But what you find out is this, either they didn't, didn't know who Jesus was, or they don't know what Jesus said. Sometimes it's a situation I know in my own life, sometimes my faith lacking situations where I've forgotten what Jesus has said. And that's, again, one of those reasons why we ought to be in the word all the time is so that we can be constantly reminded of what God has said so that we can walk in faith and that we can walk according to his word and not according to the philosophies of the world and such. But what we see in the story is this. If you look back at it at the end of the story in verse 27, it says this. So the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So, you see, Jesus had said, let's go to the other side. And he said, where's your faith? Well, the problem was probably one of two things. Either they'd forgotten what he'd said. But I think what we see here more clearly in the scripture is they really, at this point, hadn't come to the full grips with who he was. And, and I don't think this is any different with, for people today. When, Like I said before, when you talk to people that have walked away from the Lord, a lot of times when you talk to atheists, what you find is the God that they describe not believing in isn't even the God of the Bible. The things that they're angry with God about are not things God has ever promised. They said God didn't come through on this, but it's not something God ever said he'd come through on. And so it's so tragic that people lose faith because they're putting their faith in something he didn't say. And it's also tragic that people just don't know who he is. And so, again, it's one of those things why we continually want to study God's word, to know who he is and what he said, so that we'll not find ourselves in the spot of living in fear, but instead walking in faith. God bless you. Talk to you next time.